He's Texas only local news radio, 600 AM and 97.5 FM, KTBB. Good morning and welcome once again to In Focus. I'm John Sims and joining us this morning for the very first time and welcome Chris Miller, Executive Director of the Northeast Texas Regional Mobility Authority. Chris, great to have you with us today. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate it. Looking forward to being a part of this. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, In Focus is available online. Just go to ktbb.com slash In Focus. In Focus is uploaded to our website early in the morning, the day after the show airs. Chris, you took over as Executive Director of the Northeast Texas Regional Mobility uh, about what, a year ago, not, uh, June, July 2016? That's right. Yeah. I came on board June 27th of 2016. Okay. A little bit about your personal background. What led you to this job? Well, I think it was the opportunity to, to serve 12 counties. Uh, my background has always been local government uh, management, working with uh, cities primarily, but also as an executive director of a council of governments in uh, South Alabama. We represented, about, represented three counties, but about 750,000 people and provided a number of services that enhance local government. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you pretty much had to hit the ground running. I know just based on my personal knowledge going way back even to uh, the mid-1980s when I first started hearing about what's now known as Toll 49, on through the formation of the Northeast Texas Regional Mobility, there's just been a lot going on and th- it sounds like things are starting to ramp up a little bit. We're going to be talking about that a lot today. First of all, though, just what is the Northeast Texas Regional Mobility Authority or NETRMA? Right. Uh, we call it the NetRMA, um, but the NetRMA in the Northeast Texas Regional Mobility Authority is a is one of eight regional mobility authorities in the state of Texas. The, uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, Governor Perry had uh, gotten these in place. Uh, they're essentially uh, uh, independent forms of government, and uh, in our case, uh, we work on transportation needs. And uh, we we consider ourselves a partner with TxDOT. We consider ourselves a partner with the various counties that we represent and the cities that we represent. And so um, we are uh, specifically the NetRMA uh, has 12 counties that are, is in its jurisdiction. Those counties are uh, Smith, Bowie, Kaufman, Cherokee, Gregg, Harrison, Panola, Rusk, Titus, Upshur, Wood, and Van Zant counties. Um, and we are based here in Tyler, and as you mentioned, Toll 49 is our signature project, but we do a number of other uh, important transportation services to uh, you know, provide to this region. Okay, now you say that you uh, do work closely with TxDOT. Can you give us a little bit of insight into why it was considered necessary to form a separate net RMA um, to basically coordinate projects with Tech dot and presumably and, and with just different local municipalities and things of that nature. I think that that uh, when you look at the formation of RMAs in general throughout the state, there was a reason that that some of those folks were looking for uh, addressing transportation needs that TxDOT could not do. I mean, there's only so much resources, finite mm-hmm. tax resources or revenues that the state can can deal with, and so. Um, this was a vehicle to finance transportation needs in a particular region and uh, as i said we're one of eight and uh, this particular region uh, focused on what at the time was loop uh, 49 as you as you mentioned i mean going back to the 80s i mean the mm-hmm. the visionary 
uh, leadership that existed in the Smith and the in the long in the the Greg County region to come up with this plan of of one toll 49, but ultimately the East Texas Hourglass, which represents a, a whole series of, of road improvements mm-hmm. for this area uh, is this phenomenal and that that was one of the reasons that I was attracted to it but going back to that question of what you know where how do we work with TxDOT you know TxDOT can only do what is what it's able to do and so we have a we can do bond financing we can uh, we can do toll projects we can do non-toll projects so we just add another source of of uh, i guess if you want to call it opportunity for transportation projects in the uh, region yeah again an independent government agency created to accelerate the development of transportation projects in northeast texas now this is accomplished utilizing the revenue of the toll road toll 49 right now to fund other member projects in east texas and it looks like it's working well for you the agency's returned what over nine hundred thousand dollars toward non-toll projects just in the last couple of years that's right uh the board made a commitment several years back uh to begin the process of trying to get a return on investment to these counties that have made a commitment to this area. Obviously, Smith County right now is the, the, a big beneficiary of Toll 49, um, but these other counties, other 11 counties that we have in the region, uh, they utilize Toll 49. They're, they're, you know, we have a lot of folks that use it in, in those areas, but the board wanted to really work hard to try to return investment back to these other counties and so after some really serious efforts over the last several years they were able to do they were able to do one last year in uh, Gregg County four hundred thousand dollars that went to Gregg County for uh, the George Ritchie Parkway improvements uh, and we our job is a leverager I guess if you will of, of, of resources we aren't the primary source of funding in those projects but we are we are a source, and you know what we're looking for is that there's a there's a lot of other players. TxDOT, there's there's federal money, there's local money, and things like that. And so that that was one of those things that the board was so excited to be able to to do. And this year in 2017, we awarded three projects, um, one in Upshur County for a loop around Gilmore, mm-hmm. uh, and then one in Wood County for that. Uh, in, economic development project that they're doing uh-huh. uh, the sanderson farms project. right that's a big one we've had a lot of that on the yes air. sir and then one in kaufman county to uh, improve uh, a local road there so uh, i think that you'll find if you if you talk to our board they're excited about the fact that this commitment that we're able to make. Mm-hmm. I'm John Sims. This is In Focus. We are talking with Chris Miller, the Executive Director of the Northeast Texas Regional Mobility Authority, or NetRMA. If you want more information, a lot of it on the website. We'll give that out right now, www.netrma.org. And you can call 903-630-7447. There's also a handy email contact form and address on that website under the Contact Us tab, which I think is... Um, in the upper right-hand corner of the website. So um, any questions that you have, Chris and his crew will be glad to answer them as best they can. Now, who is involved, actually, in the Net RMA? The, uh, we have, like I said, we have 12 counties. 12 member counties, yeah. 12 member counties, and those folks are uh, represented by a, by a board member or, in some cases, uh, in some counties, by two to three board members. Just depending, uh, Smith County and Gregg County were the founding counties, so they have three members each. And then um, we have a couple counties that have two members, and uh, most of them have just one member. Those 
those board members in those counties are represented uh, are, are appointed excuse me by the um, the county judges in those respective counties our chair is Linda Thomas who is from uh, Longview and uh, she's appointed by the governor um, all the chairs of all the RMAs throughout the state are appointed by the governor and uh, that gives us that tie-in with the state which is really important and, and very valuable uh, for us no doubt about that now the types of projects that Ed RMA can be responsible for we know about highways and those can be told or untold and I remember the decision being made uh, to make 49 a toll road it just seemed like the most uh, feasible and practical option at the time for actually getting that thing funded but you can also do untold highways and have done and I think are uh, working on some of that right now but this is interesting ferries airports rail bikeways intermodal hubs it's not just highways that's right and you know transportation cuts across so many parts of our lives that uh, I think they wanted you know when they created the RMAs the intent was to have a vehicle to to help uh, you know in these particular areas that as you mentioned inter intermodal projects and and uh you know transportation is just not roads and bridges uh, mm -hmm. you know we are obviously doing a lot of other forms of of travel i mean airports and and as you mentioned ferries and and bike paths and things like that so we're we're very much involved we have the ability to finance those kind of projects um and and we're always working to, you know, to look for that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now, the construction, as we kind of get into the nitty-gritty here, the construction that's happening on the toll road right now. Uh, toll 49, what I believe, um, first of all, well, the Lindale Relief Route, but there are some other things going on. Just kind of get us up to speed, if you would, on what's happening right now with Toll 49. Well, right now, if you drive out there on, on, on Toll 49, you're going to see a number of things going on, obviously. Um, uh, there's two things, uh, really important projects that are going on. You, you mentioned the Lindale Relief Route. Let me focus on that. That's going to be the one that's uh, north of I-20. That is the next extension of the, of the system, of the toll system, and it's going to go six and a half miles, essentially. Um, going to add about 5,000 transactions a day to the, to the system, and it's going to basically come in um, there at I-20, and it's going to go probably about two miles north of Lindale. It'll come in at 69, at, at Highway 69. Mm -hmm. That's going to open up a really a lot of area to the north, to the track, to the uh, the tollway. They can get to I-20 a lot easier, and vice versa. And so we're really excited about that. That project is underway, um, and we hope that that project's done. You know, um, in a, in a, in everything seems to be going well and we hope that that project's going to be ready to go uh, uh we anticipate sometime in the in the fall of 2018 and uh, the next project that's going on out there right now if you drive the toll road is from you from highway 31 north to i-20 we're doing a number of improvements a uh, number of enhancements to the road we're widening the road essentially on both sides and then what will happen is we're going to in, install a four-foot flush median uh, that's going to have a very clear designation uh, that you're in a median. And those are some improvements that have been long overdue and long, uh, long in the works of planning. And so um, we're also going to be adding Super 2s, which is a passing lanes throughout the entire segment of the existing road. And so I think that we're this board is trying to address some of the some of the things that are going to make this road 
obviously safer and 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 more of a of a of a uh, I guess a good thoroughfare for everybody to travel on. Okay, when you talk about the medians, rumble strips, reflectors between lanes, additional signage emphasizing the passing and no passing zones, uh, any timeline on when that's all supposed to be completed? The, the plan is for the widening to be done by the end of this year and then uh, within 18 months from, I guess it would be June. So about another uh, six months, seven months, we'll be looking into 2018. We'll be having all the Super 2s completed. Okay. And how is the Net RMA paying for the Lindale Relief Route? Lindale Relief Route is based on uh, bond financing that the board committed to back uh, in the spring of 2016. And um, the way that works is essentially you have a, a study done to show what level of financing that you need based on the kind of transactions you're going to have mm-hmm. and then what kind of that then they, you know, they, they play around with a number of uh, uh, scenarios in terms of uh, what the toll rates would be. And then what happens is you obviously go to the bond market and, and you know, ask for the financing to uh-huh. pay for the construction. Right. Okay. Um, talking to Chris Miller, the executive director of the Northeast Texas Regional Mobility Authority, Net RMA. I'm John Sims. This is In Focus, and we move along here. What are the next phases for Toll 49? It looks like you got a couple of things going on that uh, have really been uh, in and out of the works for a number of years, and you're finally getting ready to start rolling with those. And we'll start off with Segment 6. Apparently, just within the last few weeks, the Board of Directors made a key decision on Segment 6 and Segment 7, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, let's start with Segment 6. What's going on there? Well, Segment 6 is, uh, we call that the southeast portion of the loop. It'll complete the the entire loop around Tyler. Um, what you mentioned is that the Board did approve a uh, uh, environmental, going forward with an environmental phase of this and also for segment seven which i can talk about in a moment but segment six uh runs from state highway 110 you know basically the road that goes to white house and then up to the around to the east and the north and we'll come in tie into 271 highway 271 kind of just a little south of the brookshire's university uh, facility out there and then what would happen is then people would have the ability to use 271 and and could proceed you know, on the road up to two, uh, to I-20. Mm-hmm. Um, what the board is trying to get moving is, is, is keep this project moving. Keep, keep the, the, uh, the vision of the East Texas hourglass in place. So they made a commitment. They're going to go forward with the, uh, with the environmental phase and the, uh, uh, traffic and revenue reports for segment six. And then beyond after that for segment seven. Okay. Uh, Sticking with segment six for just a moment, that's first on the plate. And basically what you've done, along with with segment seven, your board has voted to move forward with getting moving those to a shovel-ready status. And let's define right now, what exactly does it mean to be shovel-ready? Well, you've got to have all your environmental work done. You've got to have done all your public uh, hearings, and you've got to have the the um, the toll what we call the traffic and revenue reports which is a uh, a study that shows what the the financing will be for the project Uh so all those things have to be done before you can then start the construction and so what we want to do is begin that process so we're looking at three to five years or more before these things are complete 
the environmental portion alone will probably take about three years. Um, the board is is hope hopefully going to approve a contract with environmental consultant at this our next board meeting, and and then what will happen is they'll start the work and. Uh, you know, these are just not go out and build a road anymore. I mean, the, there are so many things involved in the planning of any kind of a of a major infrastructure project like a road, and and so you know we we have to have all those things in place. So uh, I think that what would logically work if everything works without any kind of glitches in the system, you're looking at probably about five years before you would be begin the process of of construction. Okay. All of the environmental work, and that's a pretty, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what goes into that? First of all, taking it process by process, what are we doing as we do the environmental work? What kinds of assessments and um, public input and different components go into that? Right. I mean, it's it's a, you know, I don't know if you ought to maybe re- rephrase it to a, a, a comprehensive environmental look i mean it's just not what you think when you think of environmental like Mm -hmm. endangered species or or water systems or uh wastewater systems it's it's looking at the impact to to people it's looking at the uh they go into the impact of of to neighborhoods they they look at everything uh so it's a global review of of a of a particular infrastructure project and so what we will do is work uh, the, the the environmental consultant will will start the process of looking at all these things. They want to make sure that the, you know, they'll look at a couple different corridors that you know that where this can partic- where segment six or, and then ultimately segment seven will will go. Um, you know what impacts they'll have to particular neighborhoods. What impacts they'll have to the people that are already there. And you know you you have to go really comprehensive in your analysis and that's what they end up doing and because you don't want to obviously put a road through some area where where no one wants it or or where you're going to have a a damage to an environmental uh situation like an endangered species Mm -hmm. or um you know things like that all righty the public hearing process now uh just to kind of break that down uh it seems pretty obvious to me that there's going to be a need for public input during the environmental phase but then you also have um, actual public hearings is it pretty much the environmental phase and then the public hearing phase or do the uh, two kind of mix and match and mingle a I little bit i think they mix and match yeah. a little bit more it's not just a, a as cut and dry as that i mean you, you might right. even actually have phases of the environmental where they have a public hearing and then they then they wrap that part up and then they go to this part where they were have to have a public hearing it you know some of these things are driven by federal and state laws and then some of these things are just the, the most important mm-hmm. part of the element of the process of of making sure that we are a good uh you know we're a good partner in this community we're not mm-hmm. just going to come and and you know do something that's going to be harmful to people yeah and what i've seen in the past uh once this public hearing or public input process gets going there's usually something you can do online you end up having large town hall meetings at places like maybe harvey convention center in tyler possibly maud cobb complex in longview and people actually come in and you kind of go through the process and uh, just really give people an opportunity to weigh in you present uh different proposals there's just kind of a, a back and forth and over time and through that process you eventually do get 
to a point where you know what the actual route is going to be, and then you move forward with a shovel-ready process. This is done uh, media like us, for example. KTBB will have notices and information, the newspapers, TV stations. The word will get out to the public, and really just part of the whole process of making sure the public knows that they are welcome and encouraged to be a part of figuring out what's what what's what's all going to be happening in this process that's correct and and the, the really important thing is what you mentioned is that that there is a real um effort to make sure the public has as much time and opportunity to comment mm-hmm. and and so there are in fact you know in the the, the experiences that i've had in previous uh, uh positions i've had you're making these these documents, which sometimes can be very extensive documents, uh-huh. available for people for like months where they can make comments and right. things like that. So there is a process that we will have that we will make available to people, and, and there will be an opportunity for people to comment. Okay. Now, as far as the cost is concerned, we're talking just about Segment 6. We'll get to Segment 7 in a moment here. Hang on, Segment 7. We haven't forgotten about you. But Segment 6 on the east side of Tyler. Fire and mineral work's going to cost, what, about $5, 6000000 million? Is that correct? That's our estimate, yes, sir. Yeah, okay. And then there's a two-year design phase and a two-year construction phase. You say both of those timelines are extremely aggressive, and uh, does that mean you're just going to try and stay as, uh, work your hardest to stay as close to them as possible? Right. Uh, I mean, you know, we want to keep this 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 whole thing moving. I think people yeah. realize that there's opportunities and that 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 Tyler is continuing to grow, and and we need to continue to be a partner in the in, in taking care of the needs of people from a transportation standpoint. Mm-hmm. And if all things are equal, uh, it looks like we could have segment six east of Tyler up uh, from 110 to Highway 271 ready to drive on by 2024. And for now, I guess we could say that's a pretty safe estimate. Never know for sure, but that's what we're looking at, right? Right. Okay. I think that's fair. Moving on to segment seven, and now we get into what has been referred to over the years as the East Texas Hourglass. This is pretty much phase one of the East Texas Hourglass, heading east over towards Longview marshall that area tell us what we're looking well, at there. I, I, let me just let me correct that a little bit okay the, sorry the whole, about that. the whole toll 49 uh beginning at at you know above lindale and then ultimately coming over to what we call segment seven uh-huh. that's all part of one continuous part of the east texas hourglass okay so segment thanks. seven is i guess would be more of the the northeastern part of segment uh, of the of toll 49 okay the ultimate goal is that the the toll 49 will be one continuous toll road and it'll it'll go all the way from lindale north of lindale come around tyler go on up to 271 and then go north of gladewater and then start to head east toward harrison county marshall and tie into what ultimately we all hope will be I-69, the I-69 corridor coming through there. And that mm-hmm. and that effort is, is working, you know, a lot of folks are involved in that effort to push that and, and to get that to be a reality. But uh, Segment 7, um, the, the, the board is committed to pursue the environmental on that one as well because they aggressively uh-huh. want to see the East Texas Hourglass continue. I don't think anybody wants, um, you know, this thing just to stop it uh, – you know, stop in Tyler and Smith County. The desire is is that this thing will, that this toll road will continue in some form, uh, you know, above above Gladewater and 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 uh, Longview all the way over to Harrison County and and ultimately to Marshall. So uh, that's an ambitious project. It's visionary. It's 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 it is one of the the truly one of the the more 
uh, I guess I would call it, you know, just a, a real magnificent effort on the part of a lot of people here to to see East Texas transportation needs addressed. Mm-hmm. Now, you tell us it's a little too early to put any kind of a timeline on segment seven, like we're putting on segment six. All we can say is that it's in the works and you'll keep us posted, but timelines will, are, are maybe a little bit further down the road on that. Yes, right? sir. Okay. Um, you mentioned earlier the um, you're furthering transportation projects through Priority Projects Grant Program. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Was there anything you wanted to add, maybe some detail you wanted to go into as far as how that works? Well, I think that the, the, the important thing is those three projects that I mentioned that the, the board was able to award funding towards uh, this year. You know, to do a loop around Gilmer really enhances the whole um, Toll 49 project because it 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 has an opportunity to give a, a way to streamline transportation needs around Gilmer, which which mm-hmm. is in the corridor uh, for segment seven. Then the important thing about that project too is that this board made a commitment to do what it could to help push transportation funding from from the Texas Transportation Commission for Highway 271. Uh, a lot of people. You know, travel 271 uh, begins here in this area, uh, Smith County, and goes all the way up into mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Right. And so uh, this board made a commitment to try to begin accelerating funding needs for that road. And so this project that the board is able to provide money towards, uh, that's important. And then the other two projects, one in Kaufman County, that's a growing area that touches the, you know, Terrell and and Kaufman County touch the uh, Dallas Metroplex, and that's part of our region. Um, And so we're really happy to be able to help improve that area. And then this economic development project that's uh, in Wood County and uh, that they were receiving some funding for. Uh, uh, The Sanderson Farms. Add some significant opportunities for uh you know job growth and and things like that so we're really excited to be a part of this Mm -hmm. uh on in focus this morning i'm john sims talking to chris miller executive director of the northeast texas regional mobility authority www.netrma.org phone number is 903-630-7447 offices here in tyler same building as we're in in the, the woodgate center as a matter of fact didn't even have to get in your car this morning to come and see us um as we get ready to kind of wind down the show, Chris, I think it's important to note, uh, uh, once you get outside the larger towns, the Tyler, like Tyler and Longview mainly, where we're beginning to see some real traffic issues that we had not seen in years past, m- many of which are being addressed by Toll 49, specifically in the Tyler area, a lot of folks say, eh, I don't have any trouble getting around East Texas. Um, it, pretty smooth ride, but that's going to change, and that's what we're looking at. We're looking at continued growth in the area and things that may not seem all that obvious right now, but that in the next uh, 5, 10, 15 years, uh, we're looking at people really understanding better why all of this is so important. That's right, and, and, and we see ourselves as, a, as an asset. Um, we're going to be hosting a regional transportation forum in September. Uh, we're going to be bringing in uh, legislative uh, representatives, uh, state officials, and and trying to connect with our local region, with our county judges, our city folks, our economic developers, to have a dialogue. And we see ourselves uh, with, at the at the NetArme as a as a facilitator. I mean, we are mm-hmm. a partner in 
East Texas, in, in, in Northeast Texas. We see ourselves having the ability to fund projects, to be a participant in a project um, that involves multiple players. Um, it's just a real asset. And I think that people, obviously, we need to continue to get ourselves out there in terms of what we can do. And Toll 49 obviously has been the main focus, but there's so many opportunities to do transportation funding and, and as you as we've mentioned and talked about here, I mean, airports, ferries, uh, bike paths, uh, railroad right away. Um, there's so many things that this organization can do. We just have to have the projects to to um, to be a partner uh, with. Mm-hmm. And so those those are things that we're trying to get out there get that message out there that we're available come to us talk to us uh, help us allow allow ourselves to help you and that that's kind of where we are right now mm-hmm. that answers my next question which basically is how can the public get involved and we've already been over some of that regional transportation forum is that going to be a public event uh well we you know we're gonna we're gonna open it up to uh, a lot of our public officials um uh-huh. We haven't really crossed that bridge. I mean, obviously, if some public wants to show up and hear some of these things, we'll we'll accommodate people. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, we're going to have some limitations on the on the space. Um, but because we have invited, you know, uh, when you when you think about all the the county and the city officials uh, yeah. uh, that you could potentially have economic developers, that you get to a large audience. Uh, we want to be able to accommodate people, but we we obviously aren't going to turn anybody away. Okay, and another bridge we can cross to when we come to it, no pun intended. Right. Um, but a lot of opportunities. You can go to the website. You can make that phone call. NetRMA.org is the website. All the contact information you'll need is on there. And the public hearings and things like that that are going to be coming up as you move through the um, processes for segments six and seven, lots of chances for the public to get involved, and we all certainly encourage you to do so. We're out of time, though. Chris Miller, Executive Director the Northeast Texas Regional Mobility, our guest this morning on In Focus. Thanks so much for coming in and getting us up to date. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. You bet. I'm John Sims. As always, thank you for joining us, and we will see you again next week on In Focus. Your only local news radio. This is KTBB Tyler, KTBB FM Troop Tyler Longview, and KTBB.com. The Friendly Class is brought to you by Marvin United Methodist Church in downtown Tyler.